0: They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin. 2 Peter 2, verse 19. Our theme verse for this episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We're continuing the Remember series, which is a survey of 2 Peter. In this episode titled Reject False Promises, Peter explains how to recognize false promises so we can reject them. Here's Senior Pastor Perry Duggar. Do
1: you speak the name of Jesus? of your own life, over your family, your community, over this country. Today we continue our survey of 2nd Peter. Don't look behind me. Entitled what? What are you supposed to remember? What? What's important is what you're supposed to remember. Now Peter's life was near its end. We don't see in the scripture when he was told that, but he he obviously was because he says so in this letter. And so he writes for this purpose, pointing out what is most important to him. What if you were at the end of your life? What would you do? What would you say? What would be most important? I don't think I'm at the end of my life, but I realized that this month, Leanne and I, with two little girls, arrived here 30 years ago. That's surprising, isn't it? But if if I was reflecting on all these years, what is it that I hope you would remember? But what would you say for your life? What do you hope the people that you care about remember? Peter was concerned about these people he loved. They were followers of Jesus, but they were being seduced by the lies of false teachers who had infiltrated the church. Today's message is entitled, Reject False Promises the theme verse you could take it out it's on your program that you received at the door do y'all still use these programs yes. you know about 30 years ago i started doing fill in the blanks because people only remember 5% or less of what they hear but a little more of what they read And even more of what they write. And so that's why I started so many years ago. And so I hope it's still holding true for you. But the theme verse that I've chosen is from verse 19. And it says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin. False teaching includes dishonest statements making deceitful promises resulting in disappointing outcomes. And these fake preachers declared that Christians did not need to repent of immorality. I think we hear that today, don't we? God is fine with our sin. And also... Connected with that was that Jesus was not going to return. So there was no reason to pursue holy living. There would be no time of giving an accounting for our lives the way we use them. And for people who wanted to inherit heaven, which was everyone then and everyone today, but still live worldly lives on earth. Continuing to follow personal desires. That, that was attractive, wasn't it? And so it received a following. Sounds good, doesn't it? You can inherit heaven and you don't have to change anything on earth in the way you're living. I think it's a pretty popular message today. Look at Facebook or, I mean, I don't have Facebook, but, or Twitter, and I don't really have Twitter, but But sometimes I see what people are writing on those things, you know, second. Everybody claims a piece of God, but they're not releasing or repenting anything. It's as though God affirms whatever they want to do. I can't find that God in this book. Have y'all found him? Pursuing these false promises distorts the faith of believers and it damages the reputation and the influence of the church. It did then, it does now. Therefore, we must be able to recognize false promises so that we can reject them. I pull out several ways that you can recognize false promises based on what Peter said. And the first step is to examine the teacher's character. A little different than maybe what we thought. We we might have thought it's examine what's said. He says, no, start with the character of the speaker. And so he's continuing what he began in the first part of chapter 2, describing the attitudes and the actions of these false teachers as the initial way To identify fake promises. Verse 12 is where we begin. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. Have you discovered animals or creatures of instinct? Leanne and I are planting a garden. Man, everything's growing. We've got okra. We've got squash. We've got tomatoes. We've got it all. We have that curly, what what is it? Kale. We had curly kale. I mean, it was just, everything's just bountiful. We have blueberries. We've got all kinds of stuff. But we also have rabbits. I didn't know we had rabbits. Our curly kale discovered first that we had rabbits. And that sucker, I was throwing these big old walnuts at him, hickory nuts. He didn't flinch, he didn't move, he just kept chomping. Because his instinct was to eat all he could before he got caught and destroyed. But well, Leanne will have no part of that. So then I started discovering holes all over my backyard. You know what's in those holes? What? What'd you say? Chipmunks. Who else said thought something? I thought it was chipmunks. I thought it was rabbits. We got a big old black snake. He, he, he. So I poured some Fragrant elixir. I won't tell what it was because you PETA folks get all offended. I poured this fragrant elixir down in this biggest of holes. And I mean that sucker, he jumps out and runs. Mice, did you know mice dug long tunnels? Yeah, they do. So I started pouring this fragrant elixir in a bunch more holes and closing them in with a big old stone and hammered in. They may be caught and destroyed, but it was mice. Leanne says don't bother the bunnies, but she's not so fond of the mice. (laughs) Peter criticized these false teachers because they claimed to have this superior elitist sort of spiritual knowledge and insight. But these men weren't led by God. They were men driven by their own instincts, like that bunny in my yard. These men were following their personal desires, just like animals. They consumed what they wanted, and they were unconcerned with who they affected. This bunny doesn't care whether we have anything when the supply lines dry up. But they would perish for their destructive actions. Continue in verse 12. They scoff at, literally blaspheme, things they do not understand, which is spiritual truths. And like animals, they will be destroyed. See, these arrogant men, they they mocked and they ridiculed the apostles' teaching. Though the apostles received it from Jesus... And instead they taught their own opinions. Do you think people can build churches with their own opinions? Absolutely. If they're a little bit humorous, a little winsome, they have some good vocalists, some you know, can put on a good show, can put I mean you can build a big organization with some talented people but the result will be man-centered not god-centered or spirit-led and scripture says unless god builds the church we labor in vain but you got to be careful that it's god-led not man-led and not man's methods these Proud teachers projected an air of superior wisdom. But in fact, they were willfully blind to scriptural truth. And they considered their ways really equal to or even superior to God's. Verse 13. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They dishonored God and His Word. They disrespected Jesus. They denounced His apostles. And they deceived Christians. And they would be judged for the damage they caused to those believers and to the church. Continued at 13. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They're a disgrace and a stain among you. See, these these false teachers had no shame for their sin. They sinned openly, defiantly. Would you say that's a, a characteristic of our culture? I mean, there probably was everything going on that's going on today. But there used to be some shame about it and it was hidden away. Today it's defiant and how dare you confront it. Whether it be drag queens reading books in classes or school libraries with very pornographic um, stories. Um, You look at some of these marches where there's just this brazen, bold nudity and violence and this very outward, bold... Declaration and, and a demonstration and how dare you question it? How dare you question it? They delight in deception. Continued in thirteen. Even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals, those are agape dinners. They're love feasts. The people, the people ate together quite often. We, you know, we sort of see it as the Lord's Supper, but, but more than the Lord's Supper, which, you know, you, if you drop it, you can't find it. So these people ate meals together. Very often, Christians were so rejected by their culture and their family, it might have been the only place they got food. But they, they would eat together. But these teachers... Joined in and they, they, they proudly, they brazenly would waltz in and participate in these meals. These meals were meant to, to build the unity of the people in Christ, but build unity and harmony with each other. And yet these teachers would sort of just strut in there and join in at the table, dominate the conversation probably... And whereas the motivation for the dinner was harmony and unity, they were the primary source of hostility and division. Now, do you think it's wrong to express disagreement with whoever's leading the church, whoever's preaching? Do you think it's wrong to express any disagreement? It's absolutely not wrong. It's right. In a, after a, a manner... Better to ask questions than go on the attack. Better to express things with some grace, because something might be just a misstatement. But there's there's no reason to ever be hesitant to ask a question, to even say, "Oh, I'll see it a little bit different." Nothing wrong with that. Y'all can always reach me. You can call Laura, my assistant, if you have something you want to talk about, and people do sometimes. But disagreement in a gracious way is nothing like divisiveness where the intent is to divide. You know, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, we've had social issues. And unlike some other times, it seemed you could have a discussion about what's true. Whether it be Viruses, vaccines, um, racial justice, all these issues, there used to be an ability for us to, to talk, but this divisiveness has just caused people to just separate and go somewhere else where they can find an audience in greater agreement or that looked more like them or I don't know, whatever it was. But you know what? The church ought to be the place where we have differences. And we deal with them graciously. And so you, I learned something, you learn something, and we come to know each other in a greater way. We don't need to be separating by what we look like or what your accent is. We need to find harmony around God's Word. Verse 14. They commit adultery with their eyes. Now, you know what they're doing? They're scanning for victims. Some of you have seen this. Could be a boss, you know, where you work. You can see, you know, people when they're scanning for victims, don't you? And their desire for sin is never satisfied they lure unstable people into sin. And these are people who, you know, are emotionally or spiritually weak, maybe they've been wounded, but you know, we, we show that sometimes. But there are certain people that can really pick it out. You notice that? They can spot it. And they are well-trained in greed. In other words, they are practice. They are exercised, like in athletics, in how to exploit people to get what they want and they live under God's curse these counterfeit teachers were constantly scouting for their next victim this isn't foreign to you is it haven't you seen it at work sometimes it's the boss and he's looking for the new employee and You've seen this before, Josh. You've seen it before. Discovering who can be manipulated, who can be exploited. And in the church, they covered their corruption with real religious talk. You know what I'm talking about? Spiritual, spiritual talk. Have you noticed, I'm not very good at spiritual talk. I kind of, praise God. <laughs> I mean... I run into y'all in restaurants and used to be Bilo. It's not Bilo anymore. I don't know how to talk spiritual. But I don't think Jesus did. But in all the years I've been in ministry, you know, sometimes somebody would just sort of come in almost like their feet didn't touch the ground. It's like a, like a cloud. The Shekinah of glory would be around them. And they'd start talking all this spiritual talk, and I'd start coughing. I couldn't understand what in the world they were talking about. Because Jesus spoke very plainly and really very directly. Jesus wasn't Southern. You know how we're, we dare not say something. we got to ease around it. Well, I hope you don't, this don't hurt you. I hope you don't mind this. But I, you, uh, Jesus just said, you need to quit that. Jesus was very direct, and he didn't spiritualize anything. He was spiritual. He didn't have to talk spiritual. It was who he was. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Folks just create a cloud of fog around you, you know? And they hope that you inhale enough of it that you can't tell what they're saying. Verse 15. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. Now, Balaam really was a prophet of God. He really did hear from God. But he appeared to be kind of corrupt too, which is kind of hard to figure because he was weak about an offer of money. And this Moabite king named Balak saw Israel marching toward his land. So he said, go get that prophet and let's pay him, let's bribe him to cast a curse on Israel. Well, he didn't do that, but because it's cited here, he apparently was willing to do it. And if you read his life, you find that he did mislead people away from God later. But this is in Numbers chapter 22 through 24. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. You believe this donkey talked? Absolutely he talked. It's amazing what you can learn from an ass. But this donkey rebuked Balaam, Balaam was beating him. The donkey saw an angel with a sword standing in the path. He was about to kill Balaam. The donkey wouldn't go. And so Balaam starts beating him. And the donkey says, why are you beating me? I've always been a good donkey. And then he saw the angel. So you may have a donkey in your life that's saving you from something. Beware beating the ass that's entered your life. These... False teachers loved money, and they sought to accumulate it from naive Christians and to indulge in sin because they weren't God-centered men. They were self-centered men. They had that animalistic instinct. They were driven from within. That's narcissism. Narcissistic people are very dangerous. Because they're like that rabbit in my backyard. He is going to eat up all your vegetables and won't even care. Because it's what he wants. If you have someone in your life like that, they are very dangerous. Because they will consume you without a thought. Without a thought. You know, I'm something less than 100 years old now, but... You know what, I wouldn't trade away the years I've earned. I've been surprised what people will do for success and fame. Have you? Celebrity. I've been surprised how attractive celebrity is to some. It gained, you gain wealth, you gain some power, the ability to manipulate people to satisfy your personal ambitions. But wh- how big is the hole in me that I need somebody that'll never know me to love me? That doesn't make any sense. You know, I used to really look okay. You remember that? I mean, it was a long time ago, but I was half decent looking. But it didn't last. What happened? And you know what it is slippery. You can't, I don't care how good looking you are. One time you blink your eyes and no more. I mean, and you can get a surgeon and he can end up keep tightening up till your ears, touching the back of your head, but you can't keep it. Can you? You can't keep it. Why not keep the wealth of wisdom you've gained from the years you've lived and known God? You, you students, high school, middle school, college, decide now what you want out of life. If you want to serve God and follow Him and be a parent and raise godly children, decide that now. Because those of you with talent right now, nobody is offering to pay you for it. But if you become a slave of that spotlight 20 years down the road, it will not look good. We even know the stories don't end well. And yet, why are our young people lining up to go to New York or L.A. and get themselves on the screen? Decide now what your life's going to be. And it'll protect you if someone offers you the wealth. You know, back when I was practicing law real young, I had to decide what would my lifestyle look like if I made significant money. I didn't make any significant money at that time. But what would my life look like? And it's good for every one of us to decide. What, what would my life look like if I do get some fortune somehow especially you young people decide now Peter focused on the behavior of these men because their character revealed the content of their message you think the two are related because people always live according to their true beliefs you believe that now don't you you accept that don't you Ultimately, what you are, who you are, will come out. And being led by personal desires, that's natural, isn't it? Even sinful desires, lust, and uh, uh, the desire for wealth, all those are natural. Being led by God in His Spirit is supernatural. Supernatural. And it happens not because you decide it, but by a work of transformation that follows regeneration, which changes our beliefs and as a result, our behaviors. So, if you had a mirror on your life and you scan the last 30 days, what does your behavior reveal about your beliefs? because it will be accurate. Another way to recognize false promises is to evaluate the outcome of these promises. Verse 17. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as a mist. Now, mist, literally, the Greek, um, means a cloud-like mass of moisture close to the earth. What would we call that? Fog, yeah. And some of your translations may say fog. But it's that that cloud of mist or that fog blown away by the wind. Now, these people lived in a hot, dry land. And so they valued water, whether it be from a spring or from a well. Remember, they had no drilling rig. Uh, they hand dug wells or from rain and so what what Peter is saying is that these false teachers are like dried up springs I mean you're parched and you, you know there's a spring and you stumble up to it it's dry or this mist blown away by the wind because they promised spiritual water to quench thirsty souls but their false doctrine which is very thin, has nothing to offer. And it left the hearers spiritually depleted and parched and dissatisfied. These men were all show and no substance and they would be punished for their pretense. Verse 17 continues, they were doomed to the blackest darkness Now who else was doomed to the blackest darkness? Who? Well, the the ones Peter mentioned were the angels who interbred with human women and they were put into the darkness to be held for judgment. Verse 18, they brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. You see the cruelty there, don't you? When someone is struggling with some type of addiction and the cruelty of someone who enters their life and seduces them back into it. We've all known that, haven't we? These men didn't truly know God. They lacked true spiritual wisdom and insight. But they obtained a following. But they did so by appealing to people's worldly interest. So they offered a kind of religion that people could embrace and still practice all their fleshly desires, all their sinful interests. And these men were skilled at spotting the ones they could exploit. And they easily exploited them. Particularly people who were struggling with guilt over past sins. People who had an inability to escape the sin that they were struggling with presently. You know, when we came here 30 years ago, the the church began, and we've maintained this, to be a place where people with no church background or who had blown up their church background could come and be respected because in those days if you went through a divorce or something happened or you had an addiction sometimes you left churches in shame and so we became a place with an easy access that's why the building looks like a something you'd find on a college campus because you could get in here without feeling the oppressive guilt and shame and then you could hear the grace of God preached But these men, see, and you can spot people coming and they're lonely and they're insecure and they're anxious. You know what I'm talking about. And so when pe- you can find certain people that will take advantage and manipulate and exploit. That's what these men were. And they enticed these discouraged people by providing them with false hope through the fabricated promise of God's acceptance without turning from sin. You don't need to change a thing. And the attention of an admired leader would make a wounded, discouraged person feel approved and encouraged and important. So they, they could temporarily escape their feeling of hopelessness. Verse 19, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. What controls you? Now, you might be a slave of God. Scripture says that. That's a good place to be. But what is it that controls you? If you had to write it down. These teachers cast off sexual restraint and they called it freedom. Isn't that our culture? I'm my authentic self. This is who I am. Y'all, Anybody heard that? No, that's not who you are. But these men were actually enslaved by their sexual desires and their ambitions. You know, when Leanne and I went to um, two different seminaries and they were completely different. One was very biblical, very conservative, um, one was just anything goes. And there was a Baptist seminary, but what they said they taught and what they really taught was completely different. And so they, they used as their motto uh, Galatians 5.1, which says, for freedom Christ set us free. Now that's, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But what that meant in application was they were free to make their own mind up about what the Scripture said. And so you didn't find a professor who would say that um, the miracles actually happened or that Jesus was really raised from the dead. They They were symbolic. They were teaching us how to overcome difficulties. I didn't fare too well there. Anybody surprised? So I'd get a grade, and I'd go, wait a minute now. I didn't didn't get that low grade. I'd be knocking on that door. What's the deal here? No red marks. Look at that grade. I remember this professor said, he just changed it, raised it. I'm not giving you any higher than that. It was an awful place, but I had already practiced law, and they knew it. So here I come. I'm coming. But there was only a few of us that really believed all the miracles. But see, that was called freedom. And they would just, "Yay, yeah, we're free in Christ. No, you're free to deny Christ and deny his word and still call it faith. That's what it was. It was an awful year. That school is much improved today. But this promised freedom was deception which resulted in enslavement, depression, and even greater hopelessness for the people who followed this false teaching. The false teacher would use these worldly measures, you know, whether it be charisma, charm, sensuality, good looks, to attract hearers to to himself, but promising spiritual benefits that he could not and God would not Deliver. So we need to recognize and beware of spiritual promises that people make supposedly on behalf of God. But based on assurances that God doesn't make in His Word. I mean, the most obvious ones are the promise of health and wealth. And you say, but it, but it says, by faith you'll receive this. But, but faith, faith really means dependence. You know, the, the scenario with Jesus about healing that I favor and I go back to is Mark chapter 9. And y'all know um, Graham's problems. He's been in the hospital, but he's back home and he's on some antibiotics. Some doctors thought he had an infection. Others weren't sure, but... But we pray for his healing, and we believe God heals, totally believe God heals. But it's his choice. In Mark 9, a father brought his son who was possessed by a demon, and the demon would throw him on the ground and throw him in the fire. And and so this man goes to Jesus, and he said, would you... Show mercy and do something for us. Can you help us? And Jesus said, Do you believe? And this man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus healed this boy because of his mercy Not because of what the man said or mustered. All he took to Jesus was the need. Are you sure that the spiritual promises that you are relying on are presented in the Bible? A third way to recognize false promises is to expect a changed nature. Verse 20. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. These men, masquerading as teachers of God's truth, were exposed to the true gospel. And they understood what the gospel consisted of, the gospel that promised forgiveness. But they returned to sin and they encouraged other people to do also. Verse 21, it would be better if they had never known the way of righteous, to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Which means after, after the regenerating work of Christ, the command is to live a life that glorifies God, a godly life. And these false teachers understood the teaching of Scripture. They claimed to be followers of Jesus. And so that got them in the door, but then they departed From Jesus' teaching. And they resisted coming to repentance. So in fact they actually rejected Jesus. Because remember I've taught you. That we are invited into a relationship. We're not invited into a a pass into heaven. We're invited, invited into a relationship with God. That changes who we are. And we continue walking with him. But rather than turn into God, they, these false teachers turned back to their sinful ways, which would result in their condemnation. Their knowledge of Jesus gave these leaders an opportunity to repent and live for Christ. But instead, they took what they knew and they became opportunists, opportunists who used what they had learned to lead other people astray. Some people market Jesus, don't you know that? I've known people who had knowledge of the Bible, but they used that knowledge to gain influence over others, even romantically. While they actually avoided obeying it. They could spout it, but they didn't live it. Verse 22, they proved the truth of the proverb... A dog returns to its vomit. Proverbs 26, 11. And another says, A washed pig returns to the mud. Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I've seen some of you with your dogs. I don't have Facebook, but I sometimes see pictures, you know, that somebody else has. You got those dogs sleeping in the bed with you. You put a bow on them and then let them lick you in the mouth. But they're returning to their vomit. You watch them a while. Oh, no, not my dog. Oh, yeah, your dog. You're going to be shocked at the things they'll eat. Because they're dogs. They didn't change from being dogs. And a washed pig, I mean, I... My grandfather had a farm. I didn't grow up there, but I lived there for some months and would visit frequently. And so I've slopped the hogs. How many of y'all have slopped the hogs? You know what that means? Clean clean animals, aren't they? You can get a pig. You can wash him up. You can put a bow on his neck. He's going to go right back in the mud because his nature hasn't changed. These proverbs refer to people who, they made a profession of faith and they even demonstrated some outward change in all likelihood or they'd have been rejected when they showed up at the church. But but no inner regeneration occurred that transformed their nature and gave them a new spiritual identity. So ultimately, they would return to their true selves that's who they were though sometimes they looked better than that i would i would plead with you over this issue but it's got to be the spirit working within within you and your response to the spirit's call But have you experienced a transformation? Do you have a changed nature? A new spiritual identity? He said, I don't know if I do. There'll be people who will pray with you. But I'm not saying they won't just pray a prayer and tell you all it's done. They'll meet with you, they'll talk with you as you pursue Christ that you might be changed. Care volunteers will be here at the front. They'll be across the concourse in the Care Connection room. Baptism today is when people are professing their faith. 6.30 in the amphitheater, we wait so it'll be a little cooler and then food trucks will be here for your dining pleasure. I would would urge you to Come. Support these people as they're declaring a new way of life for themselves. Father, we thank you for this word. Lord, show us indeed that we belong to you, Lord. We're not fooling ourselves and not fooling others. Lord, I pray that your spirit would show us ourselves. And if we're outside of Christ, that the spirit would call us to faith. And this would be the day of salvation. We pray in your blessed name. Amen. Thank you for coming.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Every week, we're encouraged to do a spiritual practice together. Now, a spiritual practice is training for the soul. By building these into your everyday life, you're sure to strengthen your relationship with God. For this week, at least two times when you feel the pull to reach for your phone, read the Bible instead. Pray for God to give you and our church a deeper hunger for truth. Next week, we'll continue the Remember series. And to prepare, read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. You can watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives. Just visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the Remember series. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.